My name is Randy, and uh, one of the teaching team here at Vineyard Church. I'm glad to be with you this morning. We are currently in a series where we are highlighting a portion of our church narrative that states Vineyard Church is part of the great family of God. And particularly, we're looking to help us to become better acquainted with our Vineyard Church family, a family of around 2,400 churches worldwide in over 90 countries. We're using our Sunday morning time to talk about some of the core values and practices of the Vineyard family. Last week I talked about our value in the vineyard of honoring and engaging in our prayers, in our lives, our practice, all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And in so doing, we value and look for the activity of God through the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the one who Jesus sought and experienced in his own life and said that we too were to seek to experience in our lives. Before we head there, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we do welcome you. We thank you, Papa, for welcoming us to this place. And Jesus, what a privilege it is to share in your life. Would you now lead us and guide us into better knowing you, God? particularly you, Holy Spirit. Would you help us to learn to lean into you, to notice you, to grow in awareness of your presence in us and around us. In Jesus' name. I mentioned last week that on the night before his crucifixion, as was referenced this morning during the communion time, that Jesus partook of the Passover Seder with his disciples. And he took a lot of time to explain to the disciples what was soon to be happening. And in that description, he spoke clearly about the Spirit being given to be active and empower them and all those who would follow him. The Apostle John tells us in John 13 that Jesus tells the disciples that he would be leaving. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And that freaked them out, (laughs) and uh, he then says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. And then after a time, Jesus tells them, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. And then a little while later, he speaks about the importance of his leaving. And he says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, speaking of the Spirit as the one who comes alongside to help, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now Jesus, as we can imagine, as fully human, could only be in one place at one time. 
And the Spirit, however, is not limited and is able to be with all of us at the same time, living in us and with us at all times. So it was to their and our advantage for Jesus to return to the Father, for the Spirit to come and to be with us. After the resurrection and his crucifixion, Luke tells us in Acts, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. And this, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then just weeks later, the day of Pentecost arrived. And Luke tells us, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them ability. This morning I want to spend our time looking at some passages that describe how it is that we are to live and cooperate with the Spirit as a part of the with God life that Jesus invites us to. And the New Testament is is full of passages about the Holy Spirit, but I've chosen just a few to be reminded of and consider this morning. The first one is from Ephesians 5.18, and I ended last week on this verse, and I want to talk just a bit briefly more about it. Paul says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, the language here is that of a metaphor. A metaphor, like parables, give us a picture of something to help us better understand something that might be a bit hard to understand. And when it comes to spiritual matters, we need all the help we can get. So, what is the metaphor here? It's the filling of something, right? And actually, its meaning is better stated to make full. So what are things that we make full? This is not quite full, but it was filled. And we can see what's inside because there's still some there. You all didn't drink it all. What are other things we fill? Gas tank on your car. I way overfilled a gas tank yesterday. I thought it was on empty and I kept trying to put more gas in it. Somebody else had put, filled it up. I got it really full. What else do we fill up? Fill up our appetite until it is uh, satisfied, until it's, we're full. Oh, I'm so full. Mm, good food. So we're accustomed to this idea of filling. But when it comes to the spirit of God, the metaphor kind of, I think, it, it, it uh, gets distant, gets hard to grasp. So notice that Paul compares being full of the Spirit here with being drunk with wine or what we might call adult beverages, as we call them. When a person is drunk, we say they are intoxicated. 
or under the influence of some substance, right? So the comparison Paul seems to be making here with this metaphor is not so much being full, but as the outcome of the filling. In the case of drunkenness, one is less inhibited, more free in a sense, but also less in control as they are under the influence or the control of this substance. And when we are full of the spirit instead of spirits, might might Paul be suggesting that one might be less inhibited by the flesh, less in control, allowing the spirit to lead and influence us. To be full of the spirit is to have as an outcome this idea of the fullness of the presence of God with us, leading us, manifesting in us, walking and assisting us in the very life day by day, hour by hour and moment by moment that we live. So here is a first. We're called and invited by Paul to be full of, to be being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Another passage where Paul directs us to act with the Spirit is in Galatians chapter 5. Here he says, I say walk according to the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit And the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. And here Paul directs us to this language of walk according to the spirit. The idea here is that of walking with or in step with. A proficient marching band walks in step to the music, but perhaps more importantly, they're walking in step with the drum major, the field commander. And then that provides the ability for the band members to march as one together. And I might suggest that the Holy Spirit is to be like our drum major, so to speak. And that walking according to or in step with him enables us to live this with God life, to be able to live with God in our daily walk, in our daily lives, moment by moment, rather than life according to our will and our desires, a life of our own that leads to perishing. And in these verses, Paul here now contrasts life according to the Spirit with life according to our flesh. And though some translations translate this as our sinful nature, those words are not in the text. Our flesh is not our flesh is what we do on our own according to our will and desires. Simply stated, our our flesh is is our self-life. I like to describe it this way. Our flesh is our will and desire to have the world the way we want it. And every day, we face those awesome opportunities to demand the world to be the way we want it. 
out on the drive, out on the road when we're driving, the way we want our breakfast and our food, the way we want to do our work in our workplace. Our flesh is our will that does what it does without God. And those two things are opposed to one another. Any of you have any experience of the flesh and the spirit having some challenge in your life? I, I did this morning. Maybe you've, we're, you haven't gotten to it yet today. There's a newer translation of the New Testament in parts of the Old called the Passion Translation. It's a bit like the Message Translation, and I, I particularly I tend not to go to these, but I really enjoyed how the authors um, translated this one. It says, as you, the same verse from Galatians 5.17, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit, or I might say, or the life with God. And I'm reminded here of Paul's metaphor from Ephesians 5 that we just looked at a bit before. The Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old life from dominating you. The picture that comes to mind is the idea that before Christ and the Spirit, our life is full of our will and desires, what we want and how we're going to get it. And as Christ and the Spirit come into our life, they're like another life or presence that as we follow will begin to fill our life with their life leaving less and less space for our self-life, as the Passion Translation says it. And, And the reason we need to be being continually filled with the Holy Spirit is that our old self life, life according to my will and my desires, is the dominant life that we have known since we were born. And it is the life that the world advocates. I'm not as much up on modern advertising. I'm sure there must be some that state them. But stating this idea of our self-life really well, when I was growing up, the Burger King motto was, have it your way. And that was the 60s and 70s. Have it your way. That's what we were being training our, our world and our children to want and desire to have it their way. Schlitz Beer. They're not even still on the market anymore, I don't think. I didn't look for that. But anyway, their slogan was, go for the gusto. All the gusto you can. Just live life to the full. That's what we're trained. We're trained in school from the moment we start, from the circumstances of our lives, the TV and the movies. And then a very old famous uh, song that half of you here won't even know the singer, uh, I did it my way, Frank Sinatra used to sing. I did it my way. And so there is this battle, there's this tension, this 
wrestling with the idea of our self-will, wanting the world the way we want it, and yet at the same time desiring and wanting the filling, the person, the work of the Spirit to experience Christ and his power in our lives, to live a different kind of life. Because, you see, the trouble is, is that this life according to our will, the way we want it, is called the perishing life in the New Testament. It's a life that leads to destruction. It isn't true life. It is the opposite. It's the lacking of real life. There's only these two. The life with God, the eternal kind of life, and the perishing life. Which is highlighted, I think, in this next passage, in the last one that we will glance at today. This one is from Romans 8. It's, it's one I, for some reason, have turned to and turned to and turned to in these last few years and found it helpful reminder. This is another passage where Paul contrasts living according to the spirit rather than according to the flesh. Here's what he says. Do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh, doing life on their own according to the way they want it, cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Paul is stating here this this aspect and ideas of the the filling and presence, the invitation of God to live in us, to take up residency in our lives. And continue to keep in mind this, this translation, this idea of the flesh is not your sinful, evil nature. It's simply life on your own without God. It's making the, the choices and the decisions on your own. Just going through life. Making it happen. And those who go about their daily life in this way are focused on life as they want it. They're focusing on an end result that just doesn't simply include God. Essentially, they just, those don't want or need God. They're, they're good without God. I've mentioned before that often um, when I'm eating at a restaurant, I'll say to the waiter or the waitress, Hey, we're going to pray before our meal, and wonder if there's anything we can pray for you or for your family. And most say yes, and they'll share something. But a few say, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. And we pray for them anyway. Because it's likely that life is not as good as it could be for them if they understood the love and life that God has for them with him. Kevin Young and I were at breakfast yesterday morning and 
were touching on this this idea, and he, you said it really, really well, and I, I can't say it exactly as you did, but it was, it was really encouraging. It's just, if, if, we, if people could really grasp this loving God who did so much for us, who longs to bring life, good life, abundant life to us and for us, to see us set free and delivered from the the many entanglements and the brokenness, the, the bondage that we often live in, compared to this other perishing life that just leads to more and more brokenness, more and more separation from others, more and more lack of, of, of fulfillment and a sense of peace in our lives. If people could really grasp that this available life is true, if we could fully grasp and embrace and welcome Him Father, Son, and Spirit to fill us, to empower us, to bring that life, their life, into our life. Filling us up and seeing this aspects of the desires and the demands for the world to be our way to fall off like shackles. I've highlighted now for the last few years that, that there's just these two kinds of life. There is no third life in the middle where I'm sort of in charge and God, I, I enjoy God on the side. It's an all in or not thing. But the reality is, is every moment is the opportunity to welcome and be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Every moment we're either living according to the Spirit, a life with God, or we're living according to the self-life. We're not bad. God's not standing there with a stick waiting for us to, you know, make a different decision that isn't according to that which is pleasing and that which is helpful. No, he's, he's standing there helping to be with us in those circumstances and to help us and provide that, that means and mechanism for us to have, be able to live a different kind of life. I mean, we can say I committed my life to Christ when I was a child or a teen or whenever, but the reality is we have only this present moment to commit to Christ and live for Him. The past is gone, the future is not here yet. It's a moment-by-moment moment opportunity to say Jesus is Lord. And when we do, there's rejoicing in heaven. Because they so long for us to know life with them. But it requires an, our, our commitment of faith, first and above all, that there is a God. By faith. And when we get past that, we need to figure out what kind of a God is this God. And we're taught in the New Testament in particular that God is love. That he only wants good for us. That he's not a giant policeman waiting to spank us when we do something wrong. As I thought he was up until I was 29 years old. Although I didn't know that that's what I thought about him. Moment by moment. 
Hour by hour, day by day, a walk of faith, God is with me. The only way that we can live each moment in step with the Spirit or according to the Spirit is to set our mind on the Spirit, making a choice. And that when we're not remembering, and we do remember, that we simply draw back. Don't get beat up over the fact, oops, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about God for the last hour. I didn't, man, I don't think I thought about God yesterday at all. Just return now. Every time that you find yourself, oh dang, just go, hi Jesus. I want you in my life. I want to live my life with you. I don't want to do this self-will thing. I want that to go away and I want your life to be coming through me. I want your love to drive my life. The mind set on the flesh, the life set on focusing on what I want and the world to be the way I want us is death. It's the perishing life. And I'm reminded uh, of what Paul said in Romans 12 in conclusion where he says, and I'm using the Passion Translation, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. A month or so ago, I was teaching a value of the vineyard being to do what the Father's doing. And <clears throat> I was driving to work that week one day, and I was, I was just thinking about, Lord, I, I, it's hard to know what you're doing. It's hard to sort of be aware and thoughtful. And then... Like, even now, I'm in my car, right? I'm driving, and so how do I do what you're doing? And I, 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 I sensed him saying to me, Randy, when you don't know what I'm doing, just do the loving thing. Just care for people. Pray for them. Give words of encouragement instead of words that tear down. Just hold your tongue. Do the loving thing. And I'm thinking as I'm driving, hmm, you know, I don't always do the loving thing when I'm driving my car. In fact, I try and prevent others from cutting in quite frequently. On <laughs> Bandera Road as we're trying to get on that left-hand on-ramp down there, and it's... It's uh, 6 a.m. And, and everybody, you know, is racing up in the center line and then cutting in at the end. You know, and then the, every, all of us just stop and hit our brakes because, yeah. I'm doing better, though. I still haven't learned to give three cars space ahead of me, but I'm, I'm working on it. I want to conclude here just with the opportunity to pause for a minute And for us to reflect and consider these 
passages that have invited us, direct us to a kind of life that that really has as its core a life according to the Spirit or a life of, of activity with the Spirit of God. And so I'm just going to invite you to a, a reflection, nothing profound or too detailed. If you would, just close your eyes for a moment. And, and I want you to just take a moment and begin to imagine what you're going to do when you leave the church today. You're going to get in your car and do what? You have an idea, a plan maybe, an imagination for what you're going to do this afternoon and this evening. And now I'd like you to invite the Holy Spirit to be with you today. That as you walk out of here and you go about your business, as you go to live your life, would you just pause for a moment and say, Holy Spirit, I'd like to do that different today. Just invite the Holy Spirit to be with you moment by moment today and to help you be aware of His presence. The last thing I'd like you to consider too is to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me about the rest of today? Is there anything you want to say to me about how I'm to spend my day? Just invite him to speak to you right now. Listen for that still small voice of God. What is he saying to you? Loving Father, gracious Jesus, present Spirit, thank you for life. Thank you for the invitation to a life with you according to your ways those things that are good and beautiful, loving. And would you help us to be able to turn our minds and our thoughts in a moment-by-moment life with you of acknowledging your presence, acknowledging your love, acknowledging our need for your help, 
that we would, in your strength and power, abandon this self-willed life that demands the world to be the way we want it. And to be filled with all the fullness of your love, your manifest presence with us every moment of our lives. In Jesus' name. It is so. Thanks for coming and hanging out this morning. Hope you had a, a good time of connecting and worship and hanging out. We uh, at our church, as was mentioned by Nelson, uh, provide an opportunity if you would like to pray with someone, if you'd like someone to talk to, uh, perhaps this stirring in your heart, this idea of a moment-by-moment relationship with God is something that you uh, have wanted for a long time. We would love to pray with you. And to just come alongside you and to see if, if uh, how we might be able to partner to help and aid you, even as the Spirit comes alongside you to help and aid you. Thanks for coming. Have a great week. If you would like prayer, come on up. We'll have some folks up here. See you again next Sunday.